0: In today's show, we're going to be talking to Dan Besbrus of Sports Ethos and the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We're going to talk, we're actually we're going to answer your questions. We're going to talk per game versus total value, and he's going to talk about one of his favorite players for this upcoming season. It is, spoiler alert, Brandon Clark, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh.
1: It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.
0: Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Thank you for making Locked On fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, and we're available on all platforms. The NBA schedule has just come out, and I know people are going to want to know, what do I do for fantasy playoffs? I'm going to do that show tomorrow. And again, the spoiler alert is, that stuff is highly overrated. Maybe I'll talk to Dan a little bit about it today, but it is highly overrated. I think the thing we look at that probably comes out the most is the Clippers with a league-high back-to-backs. That's not great for Kawhi Leonard, and probably not as good for Paul George, although I'm not that worried about that. The Pelicans are league-low back-to-backs, which is great for Zion Williamson. And then we'll talk about the other stuff in tomorrow's show. But again, it shouldn't be the, most, the biggest focus or really anything you pay significant attention to during a fantasy draft. But I know people love the show, so we will do it. So I'm going to talk to Dan today. I'm going to have a bunch of analysts on over the coming weeks. We're going to talk about some of their players that they're really in on this season. And just some questions that we've got from listeners. So, I don't know. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here he is. The big fella, he is back. Daniel Besbrus Jr., welcome back.
1: What's happening, man? You know, I feel that was a nickname that I felt really good about until, like, the claim to fame for Daniel House uh, <laughs> is getting cheating on his wife in the bubble where you're not supposed to have any outside contact.
0: Big, uh, big bubble man, Daniel yeah. House. Big, uh, <laughs> the big, uh, the big bubble pants man. There he is. Um, of course, you're a complete opposite to that. Although. I know Keith asked the question. Can I get Dan to to swear on the show? He actually just dropped just a, a tirade of curse words before I hit record, and I was uh, unfortunately he was calling me everything under the sun. Um, so I'm a little I'm a little shook to at the moment, to be honest. But now he's going to be. I f- did do one. He did. He did actually. He did actually swear. But we're not putting it to air because he's got to protect. Got to protect the brand. Dan. That's now right. I, I I said it at the start of this show that. Yeah, the NBA schedule came out today and I said, it's highly overrated in my opinion, in terms of fantasy drafts. And I pay actually zero attention to it in a fantasy draft. What do you do?
1: Yeah, I don't care at all. Um, you mentioned this to me right before we went on air and I was like, look, I don't want to surprise you or anything, but I'm going to say, I don't give a bleep. That was actually where the curse word <laughs> came out. Um, I don't, at some point I'll probably look at fantasy playoffs just to get a feel for it. Where do my leagues fall? I you know, I'm not in a ton of head-to-head leagues, so uh, it's more of a cursory glance. But there's so many things that can happen between now and then that, yeah, you know, I'd rather maybe, like, wipe a couple players off my board if they have, like, a 2-3-2 two, two fantasy playoffs or something like that. But it- it's not going to be much uh, in terms of substantial adjustments. And then, like, people know I'm more of a Roto guy, so I almost don't have to pay attention to it at all. Yeah.
0: yeah, in Roto, you don't really at all. Again, I'm saying this. There could be a team that has a 2 2 2 fantasy playoff schedule, which is obviously horrendous. But in previous years, it's been they either play 12 games or 10 games, and two games spread over three weeks isn't. Odd it's that much of a difference that it has to completely impact your draft strategy because it just doesn't. So well, I'll talk about that more in tomorrow's show. I just want to get that out of the way here before we crack in. Now, what I'm going to do with people that come on the show, Dan and uh, fantasy analysts that come on, I'm going to ask them for, uh, and I, actually I think I stole this from you because I think you do it in your podcast. You ask people to bring a sleeper player onto the show, but I'm doing a little bit different because, you know, I'm, I'm innovative here. I'm just, who's someone you like, who's someone that you're pretty, you know, and someone, honestly, that I'm just going to give you a little bit of time to talk about for this upcoming season that you're pretty interested in and you chose and again no one will be shocked at this you chose um brandon clock yeah you know i i like
1: that you said give you a little time to talk about it because i was looking at some of the comments the last time i was on the show and people were like dang this dude talks a long time like, yes <laughs> yes i do i am a, i was a minor league baseball broadcaster before this and i had to talk to myself for four hours every day Uh, But yeah, Brandon Clark, he's very much in the Bespers wheelhouse. He's a Roto guy because his strongest suits are things that don't, that are not counting stats, which in head to head, you want that consistency week over week. You want someone putting up buckets, points, rebounds, assists. Clark is going to get you some blocks. He's going to get you a smattering of points and rebounds, but his greatest asset is his field goal percent. And that's something that really does add up over a Roto season. As I look towards this coming year, why am I enthused about Clark? I would try to point, and this is, again, like, you have to extrapolate a little bit, but from December 31st until the end of last year, which is basically about uh, a little more than half the season, he played 21 and a half minutes per game and was top 90. I know that's not blowing the roof off the building, but with JJJ hurt, we don't know exactly when he's coming back. We know he's a slow healer, slow-mo gone. Anthony Melton gone to but that's sort of a different area we know Memphis just likes to throw waves of guys so anytime there's a thinning of the herd there that's an extra 30 seconds 45 seconds a minute two minutes whatever it is to get Clark up to that and again we said it 21 and a half minutes per game in that stretch top 90 I think what we might have this year is what we were all hoping for not this last season but the previous one for Clark When his his shot got out of whack, he forgot how to hit free throws. His confidence was shot. It's finally that time. 23 minutes per game is all it would take to get him into that 75 territory. And then there's upside beyond that if JJJ misses a bunch of extra time. So I'm pretty high on Brandon Clark. I know he's not a big head-to-head target guy, but he should be a pretty good
0: value in Roto this year. Now, I'm pretty interested in him as well this season. And normally, he's one of those guys who benefits a ton from no turnovers. And I just in head-to-head, I just don't care about that really at all. But with the absence of Jaron Jackson. Now, when we talked to Joe Mullinax of Locked On Grizzlies early on, he wasn't convinced that Clark was going to slide into the starting lineup. He thought he might keep him in the bench unit and they might go with someone like Jake LaRavia. I don't tend to agree with that. I think maybe Santi Aldama might mix in there, but I think Clark, regardless of if he starts or not for Jaron, he's going to get more minutes. Like instead of 21 or 22, he'll play 25 or 26. He might play 27 while Jaron's out and that especially early season. And this counts for head-to-head as well. You might draft him and you get two months, like who knows how long Jaren's out, you get two months out of him and then yeah, he drops back to being more of a lower end sort of a player. But I think you're going to get a, a really interesting start to the season. And when you are talking about like, you don't have to draft him in round six or round seven or round eight, that's just not going to be the case. Like he's, although he's ranked 106 on Yahoo at the moment, but we know they're going to yeah, change those things because there's too many players who are non-present in the right spots. Um But you can draft them late, get that early season value and then get rid of him. And use that almost like a, yeah. a waiver pickup. That's how you know you treat those for, those last two picks as either a flyer guy or like a waiver pickup for the first couple of weeks, draft him and then and then get rid of him. So I am pretty interested to see what Clark can do. And you talked about your not big counting stats. In college, he was an absolute monster. Like steals and blocks, they were like I think the only person who had high steal and block numbers combined was Zion. And Zion's numbers haven't translated either, but Clark's haven't really. But he put him up in gigantic Gigantic numbers in college. Maybe, maybe it comes together. I don't know. I would hope. Yeah. That, I would hope that it does. But I'm, I'm not holding out hope. But there is, well, I am holding out hope. There is some level of upside there <laughs> for his defensive stats, I guess, to come through.
1: Yeah, they were. They, he squeezed out a few in that stretch last year as well. He was at about 1.9 combined, 0. 0.7 steals, 1.2 blocks. But like you said, and, and this actually makes a ton of sense for games cap format, which is what I'm often talking about. If you get two, two and a half, three months, whatever it is, and he's rolling at a top 60, 55 level, that's fantastic. You want that out of a late round pick, cast him off into the ocean. I don't care. You can fill in your other 40 games with whoever off the wire. But if you can get a a mid-rounder for half the season at basically no cost to you on draft day, that ends up being a really valuable
0: pick in Roto. Yeah, exactly. I think there is a lot of value and you've got to be careful that you don't overrate him and overweight the early part of the season. Although, again, we just don't know about Jaron Jackson. We've got other questions. We've got your questions that you've asked me and Dan. We'll get to those in a second. Before we get to those, though, it is hyper important that I give you an important message because if you're hanging out with friends and you're... Out there, you're sinking a few drinks, you're knocking back some frothies. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Now, you live nearby, you can make it home okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Dan, you're definitely not a drink driver. I know that because you're a very, very smart man. So let's talk about this question, which comes in via the old uh, Instagram from Charles, I think it is from Charles Stanton. Now, I've just you know, given this a little a cursory sort of title there in terms of per game versus totals, but his question was basically asking, yeah, how do you view those two things? the per game versus total value when drafting, where do you, what do you prioritize? When do you prioritize it?
1: That's a great question. And Josh cut me off. Cause I'm prone to go 15 minutes on something like this. Uh, I tend to wait totals a little higher at the front end of my draft, which I know may not roll in parallel with what everybody does. I, it really comes down to, I need my first pick, my second pick, my third pick. I need those guys on the floor. So totals tend to reflect that a little bit better than per game. And as the draft goes, mid-round, there's a little bit of a balance there depending on what you've done with your first few picks. And as you get later in a draft, I don't care about totals at all. It's crap. You have a top 145 guy who plays in all 82 games. His totals rank is like 75. But that guy ain't helping you all season long. It's, it's a farce. At that point, you want guys that can give you a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month of Top whatever, something with two digits there, upside on the per game side. Whereas again, early in the draft, you want guys that are on the floor. Give me the totals guys early, the per game guys late, and on the fly in the middle, you gotta make sure
0: you've got enough healthy bodies to get through the year. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of in agreement. I, I don't I'm not as aggressively into that as as you are, but it is important to get games played, obviously. But when you're playing head to head, I think Games played, unless you're missing 50 or 40 of them, when they're played, like if you miss games in December, right. it doesn't matter. If you miss them in March, then it's catastrophic. And I challenge literally anybody to predict that. Like you can, it's impossible. You, you cannot do it at all. You, you cannot predict that. Um, and as I've done shows on, on this. About correlating games played year over year, and there's either zero correlation or very low correlation. So while we can look at it and we can see specific examples, hey, I'm really worried about Kristaps Porzingis's knee because he, he tends to get hurt a lot. It's a totally valid thing. Yeah, Anthony Davis with his injuries, it's fine, but he might he's had multiple 75 game seasons. You know, we if we and if you go into that, I think if you go into a draft with that mindset, well, this guy hasn't ever missed time before, so I'm going to draft Damian Lillard in round one and Bam Adebayo in round two. We'll see you later. Your league your league was cooked last season because you these things will happen and at some point down I'm not, not going to knock on wood here you know what's going to happen nikola jokic is going to get hurt like it's it is going to happen i don't know when yeah, it, it, yeah. It, i'm telling it is it is going to happen because you cannot play 77 games for the entirety of your career it's going to happen I'm, i just I'm i just genuinely don't know
1: when am concerned about that by the way and the vegas season win total number for the nuggets at 49 and a half just under 50 yeah, screams like... of something weird going on there and it makes me very nervous cuz it feels like one of the ones where it's like Oh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. They had, what, 46, 47 wins last year without those guys? Yep. Guaranteed. But if Jokic misses 15 games, the whole thing goes up in flames. You're absolutely right. And,
0: yeah, I'm, no one can play 77 games forever. I'm not, like, I and I'm not suggesting don't take Jokic one because you have to, but at, <laughs> at some at some point he's going to get, I guarantee he is going to get hurt. And, yeah, I've heard people like, oh, yeah, well, the, yeah i'm going to take jason tatum really high cuz he never gets hurt well yeah but maybe not like i don't i don't think that you can have that level of yeah i'm going to take jason tatum at number 1 because he doesn't get hurt when on a per game basis he might be 13th because injuries and that's what... Like, you, i i can't sit here with any level of confidence and say well i think this guy's probably going to break a hand in december and he's going to pull a hamstring in January. Therefore, he's going to miss twenty-five games. It's actually impossible to do that. And you don't I mean? Just, it, it, it sounds like yeah. I might be me. I'm pro- I'm probably going to pull a hamstring in December. But you, you can't yeah. you can't do it. Like and we've yeah. How many times we've we fallen into that? And I not know you, you love Chris Paul it's like a man. I'm not going to draft him. He's always going to get hurt. Well, he isn't get hurt anymore and no. he might get hurt this year and he got hurt towards the end of last year but it was something completely fluky I'm never drafting Paul George because he missed 50 games Well, how often do you expect a NBA player to tear their UCL in their elbow like actually never I don't think any NBA player's ever done it so do we expect that to happen again no but if something else weird might happen you just you, you can't you have to have some level of concentration on it but if you base your entire strategy on what players did the year before where they were healthy the year before it actually has no bearing on what happens in the future. And and if you, and it's like using, I'm going to draft exclusively off health from the year before and playoff schedule f- from this season. It's just not going to work out, I don't think.
1: No, and I want to give a shout out to your, the Basketball Monster Player Rank page, which does a wonderful job of, if you sort it by totals, you can see who moves up and how far. Yep. Where, like, if you look at this last season, sort it by totals, Joel Embiid is up at the top. Yes, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, these guys get a bump. But you can do the math and, and work the numbers a little bit and say, okay, well, if Kevin Durant doesn't have a eight-week injury, yeah, okay, great. Like, I, I actually feel pretty confident in KD, provided we know where he's playing at the beginning of the year. But that's a guy that maybe you say is injury-prone. If their per-game numbers are so far out in front of someone else, you have to take that shot. I try to, and again, stop me if I get way off on a weird cloud here, but I try to visualize on draft day Sort of a, you know, a numerical horizontal bar that runs from one to 100 or whatever it is. And then a different bar that shows the range that a particular player could end up basically based on how many games they're playing. So someone like a KD, we have a good idea of where his per game value is going to be. If he's at 52 games versus 69, 70, something like that, his window is better than Jason Tatum, who you were talking about, who starts lower and maybe he can get about as high. But you have to look at that—the odds. What are the odds that someone falls towards the middle of that, towards the front end of that? If
0: you draft everybody based on where you think they—the best case scenario—that's yeah, that's the you thing. Cash out their value. Yeah, because if you look at well, well, if if Tatum only misses five games, he's going to be here. But then okay, he's got actually nowhere to go up from there. Like when right. it, it can only go bad, it can only be like, well, he misses ten games, or he misses twenty games, or he misses the whole season. Like it can't go up from there. So you. By the you, way, I
1: like, I like both of these guys. I don't feel like we're, like retrashing. We're oh no, no, stadium. yeah,
0: no, no. I, I, yeah. I like him too, but I'm saying if you just overly value what they did the year before based on some of its luck and avoiding COVID or whatever it is, like it, it's it's going to you know, mess with your mind a little bit and lead to situations where again that year-to-year games played It just it just doesn't correlate it just doesn't translate over on on the whole um you're a big i was gonna say you're a big old man but you know, you're not as old as someone asked who's I... old, who's older me or you dan i'm and i it's me i know it's me yeah it is you've got me by a couple yeah. i might feel older than you though does that count for anything i don't know maybe did you did you almost tell your acr while trying to get up on a snowboard no, but I did throw my hip out while standing up the other day. <laughs> hey, I had hip surgery after skiing about 10 years ago as well. So I'm, I've got you covered. Every, whatever you want, mate. I've got, I've got you covered there. But anyway, we're, we're going to talk old guys in, in fantasy because people know you from drought. You love focusing on some of these uh, veter, veterans who get overlooked. And someone asked this question here. We talk about early round guys. What are some mid to late round uh, veterans that might be getting overlooked? All right. So this is going to blow people's socks off a bit. And
1: I, I, this is actually kind of the first time I'm going to say this as a, a, a more broad statement. I've kind of glossed over it on my show a few times. The old guys are not really in the middle this year, which is a strange phenomenon. There's, there's almost always a few in that like 40 to 60 window that are always there. They're not through whatever strange series of occurrences. They've either been pushed slightly in front of that window or pretty far behind it. Uh, plenty of old guys in the, you know, 25 to 35, 40 range. There's a a laundry list of them in there that you can pick through as you see fit or younger guys that kind of have what we've kind of deemed like an old guy stat set. And then there's just a bunch in the 90, 95, 100 range, but there are almost none in the middle. So to answer that question, the old man squad for uh the, the Dan Besper's old man squad is going to have a really different look this year because there just aren't those fourth, fifth rounders that are always on the board every season, they're not there. It's more like six, seven, eight, and even beyond. Even six is a little bit of a stretch on the front end, and then a bunch of guys in the third round, actually. Uh, I don't know if that answered the question, that was kind of a vague, broad stroke
0: answer, but they've been pushed to the the front and back of the draft this year. Yeah, well, I don't know why. I'm looking at my projections and in that middle range, the only guys who I'd consider sort of old, like Draymond's 32, he's in that area. Like Vooch 32, he's in that area. DeRozan's 33, but I don't know if you consider those guys old guys necessarily, but they, yeah, they are by their, their age. Um Kyle Lowry, you push him probably into around seven or eight. He's thirty six, and yeah. then and then you get down to Al Horford and Brooke Lopez in like your nine and ten range. Um, Mike Conley in that really late range as well. But you're right, in that middle range, it's it's young guys. It's the up and coming players. It's Brunson's and maybe Kevin Porter and Josh Giddy uh, Jalen Green, and you know, maybe a Devin Vassell pushes in. Look, it's those sort of guys that are pushing into that mid range. Um, and yeah, I, I don't. You know, Chris Paul's not falling into round four. Um, Those sort of Lebron's not falling that far. Drew Holiday's probably going in round three. Who yeah maybe qualifies as an old guy. There's not that many guys who are you're right going to push into that middle rounds. And middle rounds is an area where there can be a lot of errors in trying to project upside on guys. But there's just yeah you don't want to reach for Al Horford there. You don't want to take Mike Conley in that area. There's no there's none of that reliability of low upside but high floor type of player in that area kind of nice that you don't have to I guess
1: like maybe I should be counting my blessings that we can get a bunch of these guys at 80 90 or 100 that maybe you needed to spend at 65 the last year or the yep. year before I, I don't know I haven't done uh drafts yet to kind of see no, where maybe they might slide around a little bit but right now it looks like you can get them in the seventh eighth ninth round which that's pretty awesome I would love to be able to fill my team out with all of my favorite guys from 2017 at uh pick 108 or whatever
0: it is. <laughs> Can't wait for you to take jo Kim Noah with your last pick. All right, we we've got um a couple more questions to go, before we do that, Dan, who is you're an you're an LA man? Are you a, are you a NFL Rams or Chargers fan? Are you like onto another team because LA didn't have a team for so long? I kind of just stopped paying attention to football. That's
1: I became Fair a enough. baseball basketball
0: guy. Fair enough. The reason I'm doing this, I guess. Well, you know, my son's a uh, a Chargers fan, so yeah, you can uh, just take them on, yeah, you know, th- through him sure. to be a fan because. Bet online if you want to find all the odds for the NFL. And for the preseason games, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball and Dan's Dodgers, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered. And let's look at the Chargers game on the weekend. Where are the odds for that? They are playing the Cowboys they their three-point favorites. Maybe big Eastern stick performance coming up. and If you want to have a bet on that, BetOnline has it all covered for you. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. And we're going to go through a couple more questions here. Now, I'm going to um, extrapolate this question out, Danny, because from Sarkos Alexandros asked a question about Bones Highland, the big stiffy. He said, is it possible that Bones Highland... Can play thirty plus minutes a night, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two more names onto this mix. Let's talk about Bones. There's a ton of hype. I see him. He's, he's getting a lot of hype everywhere else, and people are going, "Well, Monty Morris and Will Barton are gone, so Bones is going to get this huge role." And I'll give you the floor in a second to talk about him. But I say that, that's that, that is true. Monty Morris and Will Barton are gone, right? But Jamal Murray is back. Kentavious Caldwell Pope came in. Bruce Brown came in. So was there a net gain or a net loss there? I'm not saying that Bones isn't going to play more, but it's not like, well, everyone's gone and Bones is taking all their minutes because Morris and Jamal Murray, there's your switch, right? Murray takes Morris's minutes. KCP takes Barton's minutes, I, I'd expect. And Bruce Brown comes in and probably takes Austin Rivers' minutes. So Bones maybe gets the same role, probably pushes up a little bit more because I do think he's really good. But 30-plus seems like uh, a crazy high bar that I think there's almost no chance that he hits.
1: Yeah, I was thinking more in the range of twenty four ish. I think, for I've, bones. Got, I think <laughs> I've got him around that mark. Yeah, uh, which is probably enough to get him inside the top one hundred based yep. on what we saw last year. But I, you know, I don't see this like massive top fifty leap thing going on. Denver has championship aspirations. He's going to have to earn every minute he's on the floor right now, and I, I like the fit of a lot of the guys on that team. So yeah, they'll they'll use him in when they need that that scoring punch, and he looks pretty good. But. They're not going to need that scoring punch as often as they did last year. So that kind of all balances out to something in the middle. He does profile a bit as a guy who gets hype blasted a little past where he should be on draft day. Yeah,
0: because he's exciting. Like, he's a guy that scores and scores in bunches. I really like him as a player. I liked him in the draft. I thought he went way too late in the draft. And I was impressed with him last season. And I am interested in getting him with a late pick this season. But there are people who are going super, super high on that, that break. And I think it, it is we can look at the guys gone, but again, we have to look who replaces. And Murray and KCP just flat replace Barton and Morris. Like, they just flat replace him. And I know there were comments from Michael Malone about Murray saying oh, we're going to play in minutes in the 20s and maybe he's not ready. I think that's just complete garbage. I don't trust anything that Malone says with anything about injuries. Jamal Murray was, is actually here in Melbourne at the moment and he was asked, hey are you ready? He goes, yeah, I'm gonna play first preseason game. So I, I don't look this is 18 months removed from an ACL and unless you're Jonathan Isaac it doesn't take 18 months to come back from an ACL. <laughs>
1: what
0: is that dude? I, I honestly that he's a ghost. He's not real. He's not even a real person until I see him on yeah. the court. But Murray, should, look, Murray will have, he'll sit back to backs. I have no doubt about that, right? And Bones will have more value on those games. They'll probably start him. They do have Ishmith and we know Malone can be a bit of a dickhead in terms of getting the rotations right. So Bones will have some boost numbers there, but it's not just like where well, everything is cleared out, he's going to have this year. It's not like, hey, look what's in San Antonio. There are so many minutes. It's like, yeah, there are some minutes through natural progression, but it's not like everything's cleared out for Bones. Now, I want to bring this question to a couple of other players who are getting similar hype, and that's Monty Morris and Jalen Brunson. Yeah, the number one thing. Morris, well, now he's away from Jokic. He's just got a yeah, massive usage. Everything goes big for him. And again, I look at that and go, okay, so he moves away from being you're know, playing next to Jokic and Barton last season, and he did put some better numbers up at the end of last season, but Jokic is the big usage guy. And now he plays next to Bill and Porzingis, who are both big usage players. And also, yeah, now he's still playing alongside Will Barton, who he was last year. So while I think he might get some more assists without Jokic running things, I don't think this is huge boost for Morris in terms of, wow, now he's just got everything. He's going to run the show. He's going to have this big usage bump. In fact, I think his usage might actually decrease in Washington.
1: Yeah, the thing I always needed to see from Morris was just a level of aggression that he it's never had in Denver. <laughs> At, like, I don't know that that's going to magically appear overnight. Maybe he does get a little more aggressive in a different system, but, but I think yeah, yeah, at this I, day, I,
0: Like, in the starting five, right? It's Bradley Beal, it's Porzingis, it's probably Will Barton, and it's Kyle Kuzma. Who's the fifth option if you include Morris in that group? It's, Mo- it's Morris. Like, yeah, it's is, Morris. is Kuzma, Barton, Beal, and Porzingis going to say, nah, let's clear out and let Monty Morris cook? Absolutely not. Like, they're just not. He's the fifth option. And then if they don't put Barton in there and they put in Rui Hachimura, like, that bloke can do nothing except for score, so he's going to get his shots. Uh, there's no, it's not an actual clear runway for him to get this gigantic boost in usage. Assists, sure, he'll handle the ball more, that'll go up and he's a legendary assist to turnover player. But it's not that clear runway. And I think the other one that's similar to me is Jalen Brunson. Because now he's away from Luka Doncic, he's going to get to run the show in New York. Okay, he was playing next to Doncic, who had like a massive 37 usage, but Brunson was the second guy there. And in New York, Julius Randle, is he going to take a backseat? is RJ Barrett who they think is like you know this legendary second coming of one of the best players ever. Is he going to take a back seat? If Donovan Mitchell arrives, where does Brunson fit in there? Like maybe you could make the argument that him and Randall and Barrett are all 1A, 1B, 1C. And it but it does it's not like a clear cut to me that now he's away from Doncic the usage goes up because you are next to two other high usage players, maybe three if Donovan Mitchell comes
1: yeah i think of the three guys we've talked about i'd be if i had to like say which one i'd prefer to have it would be brunson oh, for on sure. my fantasy team. Yep. um just because like they went out and got him they gave him the money so they sort of have no choice but to give him stuff and i love him as a roto guy too because he's a high percentages player yep. a lot of his stuff is tied in that efficiency um but yeah he's not going to go out and get 20 shots because julius is a as a vacuum on that team Um, he does make the Knicks better to give them some option that's more efficient than anything they've had on that club. But, uh, I guess the reason I would like him more is that we know Tibbs is going to play him 42 minutes a night. So at least there's, he'll be on the floor enough to get it done. Um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the profile to be like a top 40 guy. He doesn't get steals and blocks. He, the, even the assists are not as high as they could have been. Um, threes are not that high for Brunson. It's mostly points. And both percentages, which again, I love on the roto side, but yeah, maybe more like
0: 60 to 80 range, but I wouldn't go any higher than that. Which I think is where he was last year anyway. But I think my, my point is that we look at this and go, well, they paid him. It's, everything's opening up, but you've got to just look at what else is around as well. And there are only so many shots around there. And if you could make a legitimate argument that he's the third offensive option on the team, that means he's not the clear cut number one. Like He might be number one and it might be 24 usage versus 23 usage versus 22. But he might get 21 and those other two guys get 27 and he just doesn't get the ball as often. It's not it's not the situation where I think if you would I'll talk San Antonio again, but Keldon Johnson's probably going to be the unquestioned number one guy there in terms of usage because I don't know who else it's going to be. Like I can't make an argument for anyone else to be number one really in terms of usage on that squad. Um, but in New York, I can. So it's not the clear-cut number one. Still think he's going to be really useful and really good, and he might have a marginal uptick. I just don't think it's like a 40-50 spot uptick that's coming because everything's been cleared out for him because it just, at this point, hasn't. And it might actually get worse if Mitchell comes in and Randall and Barrett still stick around because who knows what they end up doing with that deal. Last question, Danny. a lot of people ask punting questions. so I just wanted to cover this as a whole thing. Now, again, you, you do focus more on Roto League, so punting's not as big of a thing if you do it at all. But people asking, Josh, you, you said you, know, you think punting assist might be the way to go this year. What's the best category to punt? What's the worst one to punt? And the answer to me with this is, I, I think assist might be the one, but you can have success doing any any system. right? Whatever system you do, as long as you manage it correctly and you make correct trades and waiver wire moves, Anything could be successful. You don't have to be like, this is what I'm focusing on this season necessarily because it really depends on where you fall in the draft and the guys that you get in that first round and to a lesser extent the second round. I don't think there's one where you have to just narrowly focus in and go, this is what I'm doing right now and this is the only one that's going to work because I guarantee you, you you can make anything work, really, if you're switched on and focused enough.
1: Yeah, I, th- these are fun. These are fun discussions for me because I, I a- almost always learn something talking to various analysts about their punt strategies. Um, Adam Stock always has some really good ones. Um, I tried to punt big last year just to see what would happen, kind of messing around with it in my, my, my scant few head-to-head leagues. On the roto side, I've actually had a lot of success with punt points. Um, you can do a lot of damage with that with a couple of guys that make sure your percentages don't get knocked because you don't really have like a one high-volume guy to to static that number. Or if you did, you could just go like DeMar DeRozan and a bunch of dudes who do other stuff, and your percentages are set. Um, On the head-to-head side, uh, I have punted field goal percent and had some success with that, but that's become really popular because it corresponds with a turnover punt and kind of doing two instead of one. The only thing I would say on the punt side is the more competitive your league, the more you probably have to do it because you're just not going to beat good opponents 7 to 2 or 8 to 1. You can't just stock up on everything. The drafts will be too hard. So leaning into 5-4 and 6-3 wins that'll get you through those playoff matchups, I'm for it. Uh Roto, I wouldn't do more than one under any circumstance. And even that is like, did you kind of back into this punt? And if so, okay, you can figure it out cuz there is an ROI
0: to trades you can make as well. Yeah. Uh, with roto and, and punting, it's not it's not the ideal scenario a lot of the time, but this is the, the way that I look at a roto punt. If you're in a standard 12 team, nine category roto league, you can get away with it if the league is hyper competitive. If there's someone who's just not paying attention or two teams not paying attention, then you getting like twos and threes in or in a category where everyone else is getting at least like eights or nines, like you're in real trouble. But if everyone is super competitive the whole way through, you can get away with it. The more categories you have, if you go to 10, 11 categories, then punting becomes almost more essential. And the more teams you have, it becomes more viable and more of a strategy in roto league. So anything that pushes above 12 and 9 nine 14 and 10 14 and nine 12 and 11 categories whatever it is the more you push ahead of that then punting in roto becomes more viable and a more successful situation and competitiveness of a league if you are in a competitive situation then i'm sure you'll find that dan you talk about punting points like if your league's competitive it gives you that little bit of an edge in that but if people are giving up really early on then it's very and it becomes a lot yeah, easier you if you did, yeah it becomes a lot easier for you to get nines and, and tens in categories when there's other teams not paying attention
1: Totally. Yeah. You end up with a one or a two and something because everybody, uh, you know, like you said, a couple teams gave up and you were so far behind, you couldn't pass them, but everybody else did. That's like setting yourself back eight, nine, 10 points in, in one category because everyone else is moving and you're not. So you do kind of have to be aware of your competition. If you're in like a Yahoo pro league where you don't know the people, you probably don't want to go that way out of the shoot. But yeah. if you're in it, like you said, hyper competitive people that are all reading basketball monster and sports ethos and like hyper tuned into everything you're gonna need to go you're gonna need to zig when they zag a little bit or you're everybody's just gonna be beating each other up in the same categories
0: yeah i think people i i I really like punting as a strategy I, i employ it all the time but people hyper focus on on it and throw a lot of absolutes there with it this is the only way to do it you definitely can't punt You you can only do it after first three rounds, and I I think there's just so much more flexibility with that that you just have to understand what your team is and how the players work and all that stuff, and you can make adjustments, but there's no one concrete answer where you have to punt this category, or this is the best one to do, or you definitely can't do it until you're in round five. There's just a lot of misconceptions at around. I'll probably do a show on it at some point, but I wanted to get those questions covered because a lot of people ask them, and Daniel, they'll do it for our show. Thank you for coming on and answering all those questions and chatting fantasy with me. Tell people what um what's going on with your show and where they can uh, interact with you. You've already done it for me, Josh. You put my info right under my face. I That's did. what people need. Find me over at Dan
1: Bespers on Twitter or you can just go to sportsethos.com. That's the website. Uh, and you know, it's mid-August, so we'll have a draft guide out pretty soon and I'm actually talking sports betting on my show this week because I got tired of talking about fantasy. So I did something else. That's right. I did,
0: a, I did. a fake NBA expansion draft a couple of weeks ago just to try and fill in some of that time. It was. It was a. Yeah. Fun. Somebody tweeted,
1: "Why haven't I done that too?" And I was <laughs> yeah. like, "What do you want me to do? Just copy Josh." Like, nah, you you could, yeah.
0: What? It was. It was fun, but it didn't mean anything for fantasy. But it was a nice, <laughs> nice little way to push, push through to this part of the season we men of multiple interests, Josh. Exactly, exactly. Dan, thank you again for coming on and uh, and chatting. I'm sure we'll have you back on throughout the preseason, heading up to the beginning of the NBA season. And uh, go and uh, check out Dan's stuff on Twitter and, and check out the podcast as well. Thanks, Josh. And that'll do it for today's show. Later on today, I've got a team preview show coming uh, on the Houston Rockets. So stay tuned for that. And we will do a schedule NBA playoff fantasy, you know, schedule stuff. For tomorrow. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.